That was awesome. Carol of the Bells has to be one of the coolest Christmas songs, right? Now, my name is Drew. I want to welcome you to Horizon. I want to welcome you to December. I want to welcome you to the Christmas season, and we are excited that you are here sharing it with us. And you're going to hear a lot of songs about bells this morning, because we hear a lot about bells at Christmas. Carol of the Bells, Jingle Bells, I, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. What is it about bells? You know, it's more than just because they're fun and, and festive and lighthearted. Bells are really meant to be kind of like a messenger, to tell us that, that something is about to happen, right? Like uh, the dinner bell tells us dinner is about to happen, right? That's worth celebrating, or, or wedding bells, when two people are about to begin their lives together. You know, it gives us reason to celebrate. And at Christmas, we're celebrating the hope that God loves you so much that he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ to bring us hope. And so Christmas bells become messengers to tell us that something good is about to happen. Great job, you guys. Didn't they do a great job? I think I will probably just smile for the rest of the day now. That was fantastic, you guys. Thank you for your singing. You know, a few of my own kids were up here, and it's just such a good reminder to me of all of the amazing stuff that happens down that hallway in the East Station. And if you bring your kids or your grandkids here to Horizon on a weekend, you know they love it. So thanks to you kids, thanks to you leaders for working with them. Uh, what joy that just brings us at Christmas. And you know, they were singing to us about bells and about angels. And we all know how bells and angels fit together at Christmas, right? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Okay, so that is not in the Bible. <laughs> but we all know that famous line from the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. But you know, there's actually a scene earlier in that movie that is not unlike the story of a man that we're going to see today, whose name was Zacharias, who was visited by an angel, another kind of messenger who was telling him that something good was about to happen at that first Christmas. But he found it a little hard to believe. A little bit like George Bailey when he first met Clarence. Let's watch. Hey, what's, what's with you? What did what, you say just a minute ago? Why do you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. $8,000. Yeah, now think, just things like that. Now, how do you know that? I told you, I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Uh, I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. Yeah, you can probably identify with George a little bit in that, can't you? I mean, if somebody appeared to you and said that they were an angel, and that they had a message that was just for you, something special, because, you know, as the audience, we're watching that and we're thinking, the angel is here to try to give hope 
to a man who feels like he has no hope. But it's a little bit unusual. But that's exactly what we're going to see as we look at the life of Zacharias today, is that he was visited by an angel who had a message of hope for him. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you hear about something supernatural like that, I mean, really? An angel? It can make it feel like the Bible belongs more in the category, maybe, of of a fairy tale. But the Bible presents this as history. You see, the Bible claims that there is a God, that he is the creator of the universe, that he loved us enough to come here in the flesh at Christmas to give us hope, that he is a supernatural being. And so if you think about it, it would actually be more unusual if God is in fact real and he is in fact supernatural and he is in fact all-powerful that he wouldn't do supernatural things like sending an angel to bring a message. But again, it it can feel a little strange to think that there might be forces or, or beings at work around us that we can't see. Let's just own that. That, that can sound a little strange, but in fact, it's actually pretty reasonable and it might even be scientific. Here's what I mean. Let's say that you had a time machine. Actually, does anybody have a time machine? All right, so we're pretending. But let's say you had a time machine and you went back to the year 1500 and you tried to explain to people how microwaves work, (laughs) right? I mean, imagine trying to explain to someone five, six, seven hundred, a thousand years ago how you can cook food without fire, right? Without even the heat of the sun or a stone oven, but that by the power of electricity... There are magical waves in the air that can cook your food. It sounds ridiculous, right? But but today, we're all used to it. We use them all the time. And eh, maybe the food doesn't taste that good. But you can see in this picture, the original microwave. The radar range, they called it. And it's real. Or how about this? That sound could come out of a metal cylinder. Not really, right? And yet... Here we have the original phonograph that when it was invented would etch sounds into a metal cylinder so you could play them back. And I remember being at a museum as a kid and hearing one of these original recordings. Have you ever heard this? Mary had a little lamb. Where's that sound coming from? Now now again, today, we're used to it, right? Because we we passed the metal discs a long time ago. We, we, We moved on to vinyl circles. And then to magnetic tape, and then smaller plastic circles. And now, even that sounds weird because music is digital. Just little bits of electricity firing back and forth. Now, now, just to be honest, this is one of those things that's hard for me to understand. Like, I know there's a lot of stuff in the world that I don't understand, but this is one of them. I I know it works. Like, I have MP3s, and I can hear Miles Davis kind of blue coming out of it. But to actually figure out how a vibrating needle doesn't just go, but sounds like music, it just makes me realize that it's possible that there are things that I don't completely understand, but they're still real. And so I want you to hold that thought. Because when Zacharias is visited by an angel in the story that we're going to see today, the Bible is presenting this as history, and it's possible that even though we don't fully understand how it works, 
why it works, even though we don't fully understand what God is always doing, it might still be real. Because the angel was bringing a message of hope to a man who had never celebrated Christmas before, but mere months before the first Christmas, when Jesus, the one they would call Lord, was born. And so for us, as we see this story, Christmas is an opportunity to find hope and to give hope. That's what the Christmas season becomes for us. And so I I want you to see this man's story. And it comes out of Luke chapter 1. And in in verse 5, it says this. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now, Elizabeth is actually a cousin of Mary, who was Jesus' mother. And so this is actually the extended family of Jesus. And God is going to bring them a message of hope. But it's going to come in the midst of one of life's most painful letdowns for them. You see, for Zacharias and Elizabeth, not having children was more than just the sadness of not being able to share their joy or their lives with their own kids. There was a a major cultural significance to having children. You see, it it would be your son to whom you would pass on the family business. But more than an heir, children were your retirement plan, right? Instead of setting savings aside, you would raise up a child who could provide for you in your old age. Even more than that, children were seen as a blessing from God. A sign of God's goodness and favor in your life. And not to have children would make all of your friends and family just kind of wonder about you. But we notice it says here that both Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, they were righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Essentially what that's saying is, these were people who knew God well, loved him well, and still experienced this kind of pain. How could they have hope in the midst of life's letdowns? How could they have hope when for years they had prayed for a child? Until finally they probably just gave up praying. What was there to hope in? You know, I've been through a little bit of that journey myself, and and maybe you have too. You know, most of us probably know somebody it might even be you, who have experienced this very thing. My wife and I, when we were first married and and first trying to have kids, we were told in no uncertain terms by our doctor that we would not be able to have children. Now, I already told you that a, a couple of my children were up here singing today. But the reason I tell you that is because I think one of the most amazing things that we learned during that time when it seemed like all of the hope that we had in front of us to enjoy life with kids just disappeared, had fallen apart, had dissolved, had had gone away. But we were followers of Christ, and and we believed God's promises, and we knew that he loved us, and so what? how do we put these two things together? 
You know, for us, it was just a really fascinating time of learning how to pray differently. To, to still pray that, that God might grant us those things, but to be able to pray even if you don't. And in that, to find peace, to find hope in the midst of life's letdowns. You don't know what that might be for me. Maybe it is, for you guys, maybe it is the pain of no children. You know, maybe it's the disappointment when a great opportunity at work or a new position just disappears. You know, maybe it's the pain that that you'd been hoping for healing in the life of a loved one, and they don't get better. You know, maybe it's even just at at these holidays, as you think about the next 30 days that you're going to spend with friends and family. Maybe it's the hope that you had of reconciliation in a relationship, and it's just not happening. Things just aren't what you hoped. But we've got to talk about that word for a minute. We've got to talk about hope. Because the Bible actually uses it a little bit differently than we do. It kind of reminds me of the Princess Bride, you know, when the guy says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. You see, when, you, when we use the word hope, we often mean something more like a wish or a dream, right? We say, well, I, I hope I get the job. I hope I get that raise. I hope I get that promotion. I hope the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Keep dreaming, <laughs> right? I, I hope the Bills win the Super Bowl. Honestly, I hope the Bills could just make the playoffs once in my adult life. But, but see, when we say that, what we're saying is, this is a massive uncertainty. Maybe it's even an improbability, but I just kind of hope it might happen. Here's what's different. When the Bible uses the word hope, it is not a wish. It's a statement of confidence about the promises of God. Hope is not things I'm uncertain about that would just kind of be cool if they happened. Hope, when the Bible talks about hope, it's because God is giving it. God is saying, I am going to do something, and that gives you hope. It's a statement of confidence about the promises of God. So we can have hope in the midst of life's letdowns. Not only that, but we can have hope by believing what seems unbelievable. Uh, Think about this moment for Zacharias. You see, they were well advanced in years, well beyond the childbearing age. They'd probably given up that thought, given up that hope. Uh, Until one day, As a priest of God, it happens to be that it is Zacharias' turn to go into the holiest place in their temple where they would worship God. And when a priest did this, all of the people would gather around outside to find out when he came back, what did God say? What did God do? Did you actually survive being in God's presence? And all of them would wait outside. And so in this day, when Zacharias went in, something very unusual happened And an angel appeared to him. And see what it says here in verse 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Now, why would he start that way? Well, here's what you got to understand. Just like the word hope, the word angel means something a little bit different than we sometimes think of. An angel of the Lord is not just like 
a beautiful woman with her hair perfectly crafted. An angel of the Lord is not like a little Cupid, you know, those little fat babies with wings, okay? An angel of the Lord is a warrior from heaven. It is a messenger from the king of kings who created the universe and sits on his throne and says, in your might, in your power, with my wisdom, go to this man, Zacharias, and give him a message. Now, if I had a warrior of heaven shining in front of me, you better believe I'm going to be scared. And so he says, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. What prayer? And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The angel says, God has heard your prayer. Something that they had prayed for for years, maybe even given up on. And now this angel shows up when, biologically speaking, it's too late. And says, Elizabeth is going to have a baby. Not only that, you'll name him John. That name means grace of God. Gift of God. This baby is going to be a sign to them of the generosity of God. The God who gives generously. The God who gives hope. But even more than that... This baby, this little boy is going to have a unique role in history because God is about to come to earth in the flesh. The moment that he did that is what we call Christmas. And their little boy is going to get people ready to hear from him. Their little boy, when it talks about why he's not drinking strong drink, how he comes in like Elijah, what it's saying is that he is a prophet. He is a messenger. Like the bells that we sang about, like the angel who is speaking, John will be one who points people to God and says, something good is about to happen and it is worth celebrating. Wow. Zacharias has just been given hope. But wait a minute. (laughs) He has no kids. His wife is barren and now they're both too old. What what is the angel actually talking about here? Because the hope he gives is that fathers and sons will be reunited instead of families torn apart. Wisdom and justice instead of betrayal and victimization. Joy and gladness instead of pain and sorrow. I mean, doesn't that sound like Christmas? Isn't that what we want? I don't know about you. That's what I want. But I could admit, sometimes it's deeper than that. I know that's what I need. And so certainly Zacharias would would long for this, but look at how he responds in verse 18. And, And I love that the Bible just completely owns this. Because sometimes we think, well, man, I have a hard time believing in God, but if he, I mean, if only he would do a miracle, if only he would send an angel, I mean, yeah, if I saw an angel, I'll believe it. 
Watch Zacharias. He's, he's more like us than you might think. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, notice that when it introduced him, it said they were both well advanced in years. <laughs> he says, I mean, I'm old. But my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Like, do you realize who you're talking to? But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. This is such a good moment because I am Zacharias far more than I probably want to admit. That God makes a promise to me. And I say, okay, I heard you. But what if that's not true? Okay, I believe you. Except on Tuesday. Tuesday was a bad day. Right? We, we feel this way. We experience this thing. And, and, and Zacharias owns that. But I, I also love... The angel's response. See, the angel gives him a sign that says, look, because you didn't believe me, I'll give you another sign. You won't be able to speak for the entire nine months. Well, Zacharias can test that one right away. Oh, yeah. Maybe God really can do what God says he can do. And I love that the angel doesn't say, you know what, because you didn't believe me, I'm not doing it after all. God has a plan, and God is giving hope. And even though Zacharias is having a hard time believing, God comes a little bit further, gives him a little bit more to help him believe, to help him understand. Because really for Zacharias, this is his George Bailey moment. Right? There's an angel there who has come to give hope to a man who feels like he has no hope. His business is failing. His family is floundering. He's got fear of the future. Hope? I'll believe it when I see it. That gives me a lot of grace. I, I hope it does for you too. Wherever you're sitting at this morning, you know, when you come into this place and sometimes we think, I believe it and I'm ready for more. And sometimes we think, I'm not so sure. And, and sometimes we're just thinking, look, I like some of the principles and there's some good stuff here, but I don't know, the, the supernatural stuff is a little bit hard to, to put my mind around. That's okay. You're in good company. A man described as faithful to God is having a little bit of a hard time believing the supernatural too. But if he can wrap his head around it, then there's hope that goes beyond just this moment in his life. There's hope that goes beyond even just the joy of having a son. Because even that hope is meant to point to Jesus. You know, C.S. Lewis once said that most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. Think about the things that we put our hope in in this world. We put our hope in our finances. We put our hope in our relationships. We put our hope in our job. You know, and it's, it's okay to be responsible, but sometimes we think, well, I need to diversify, so I've got 
you know, this account and I've got this stock and I'm working here and I've gotten this raise and, and I have real estate and, and in all of these things, I'm going to be okay. Because if this one falls apart, I still have these three, right? And a part of me is putting my hope in those things. Or put our hope in our relationships. Then I'm happy today because my relationships are good and they're healthy. And you know what? This friendship is falling apart, but at least I always have this friendship. And we begin to put our hope there. But all of those things are temporal. All of those things are out of our control. All of those things can change. And then we feel like we have no hope. Where do we find it? You see, this quote is is reminding us that there's something in us that longs for hope, but we want it to be in something that is certain. We want it to be in a promise that is kept. And that's what God is offering us. That's what God is giving us through Jesus Christ. You see, he gave Zacharias a son, a gift, a sign of his grace, hope. But that son was to prepare the way for the Son of God, Jesus. He is the Son that God has given to all of us to give us hope. And that hope is for right now. That hope is for this moment, in this place in time, that even though we don't know everything that's going to happen in our lives, that we can't control all the circumstances, that we don't know what happens tomorrow, what happens a year from now, what happens ten years from now, but we know that God does. And we know that he promises to be with us through all of it. But it's not just for right now. That's a hope that gives us an eternal perspective. That's a hope that lasts forever. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, one of Jesus' own followers wrote this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. What does that mean? Once again, uh, the Bible is owning the reality of the fact that if we say we believe in Jesus and he's wrong, then we are wasting our lives. Like if we say that there's hope in Christ, but then we go through hardships in life, well, how does God give us hope there? You see, because God promises us joy anyway. He promises us peace anyway. He promises us love anyway. And he promises us, beyond all of that, that when we put our faith in the forgiveness that Jesus offers, then he is preparing a place for us for eternity, forever at his side where there is no pain, there is no sorrow, there is no disease, there are no tears. If we leave that part out, then we're really just talking about placebos. Well, life is horrible, but you know, just got to have faith. You can say that exact same sentence as like a wish or a dream, or you can say that as hope. Life is hard. There are trials. But we can have faith because of the promises of God that he will be with us Always. As we talk about hope this morning, I want that to be what sinks in for you. 
That there are a lot of things that are hopeful and joyful and, and all of that at the Christmas season, but that all of it finds its center in Christ alone or falls apart. I've been learning this over the last few months in my own family. And I know that there are, are many in our community who are experiencing something just like this. And so this is, this is kind of hard to share, but I'm going to share this with you anyway. Um, so last New Year's Day, my aunt, my dad's little sister, his only sister, skipped the family get-together because her stomach hurt. Found out she had ovarian cancer. She's been battling it the rest of the year. And you have those moments where she seems to be getting better and you feel hopeful. And you have those moments where she seems to be getting worse and you feel like there's no hope. And the Tuesday, before Thanksgiving, my aunt passed away. Now I know that you know what that feels like. And when she died, my eight-year-old daughter, who had been listening to me talk about the things I'm learning in my men's group, and we're talking about eternity and when Christ comes back for us, and that we don't have to mourn as those who have no hope, and, and it's all in here, and it's all up here, and my little girl sits down next to me and rubs my back and says, well, Dad, it's not like you aren't going to see her again. You're right. And so even though I'm sad that Lynn is gone, that moment reminded me that my faith is not a placebo. That Jesus Christ was not kidding. That he forgave my Aunt Lynn. That he forgives me. That he can forgive you of everything you've ever done, could do, will do to make you right with God and to promise you that eternity so that when my little girl reminds me of that, it's more than just trying to help me feel better, and I wish that was true, but I don't really believe it. That's hope. That is what my aunt spoke to people all the way through her entire journey. That she could lay in a bed as her body wasted away to that dragon that is cancer. And that every person who walked into her hospital room and her hospice room, she says, do you know about the hope of Jesus Christ? Now, when you hear a person talk that way on their deathbed, it does something to you. Because you realize this isn't just Sunday school. This isn't just routine. This isn't just rhythm. This isn't just, well, hey, we all kind of believe in something. This was confidence that she knew that this end was only the beginning of what God had promised her. And he will make that promise to you too. In fact, when this little baby boy, when John was finally born... Zacharias took that child, the promise that God had given him, and at the moment that baby boy was born, his mouth was open, he could speak again, and he said these words, you child, John, the boy I, I almost couldn't believe, you child will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death 
to guide our feet into the way of peace. If you have kids, you know that moment when you first hold your baby. You look into their eyes and you see all the opportunity, all the possibility, all the dreams of what the future might hold. When Zacharias, who met an angel, who found it hard to believe at first, he found hope by believing what seemed unbelievable. And when he spoke to his child, the sign of the hope that was promised, he took the hope that God had given him and he gave it to his son. He passed it on. The words that he spoke over him, that he would give knowledge of salvation to God's people by the remission of their sins. What does that mean? That means that everything, every sin, everything that you and I have ever done wrong, ever will do wrong, can be taken away, can be forgiven, can be healed. That's what remission means, that it's taken away. Because the Jesus who was born on Christmas wasn't just here for a birthday party. He was here to die. To pay the price for all the ways that you and I have missed the mark. And to rise again. To bring us hope in this life and hope for eternal life. That's the message at Christmas. That's the good thing that's about to happen that's worth celebrating. And how does that come? Through the tender mercy of our God. That's a significant phrase. Because that tells you that God is tender. God is kind. God wants to extend this gift to us, but it's also mercy. That means it's something that we don't deserve. It's nothing that we've earned. It's God's extravagant, generous gift. His Christmas present to us. As you think about that, I want to invite you this Christmas season to give hope. Give hope as God gives to you. You know, there was a verse on the slide a couple of minutes ago. I I didn't read it, and we don't have to go back there, but I want to read it to you now because it tells us just how Jesus did this, that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, had all the power and glory of heaven, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That he set all of that aside to be here in the flesh. Now, even if you're not sure how you understand that today, even if you're not sure that you can take all of that in, I just want to invite you to give hope a chance to grow this Christmas season. Because maybe microwaves really can cook food. Maybe metal cylinders really can play music. Maybe angels really can bring good news. Maybe Jesus really can be your hope for right now 
and forever. And just like Zacharias gave that hope to his son, how might you give that hope to others this season? You know, maybe it's offering them forgiveness when they seem hard to forgive, just like God has done for you. Maybe it's offering them joy to people that you realize need it maybe even more than you do. You know, this time of year when we talk about generosity, that, that may even be financial, that you have an opportunity to bless someone or some place with the kind of generosity that God has shown you. In fact, as you think about that, it, it may not surprise you, but I would even invite you to consider Horizon because that's what we're here for, to give hope by comfortably connecting people to the hope of Jesus Christ as they get to know God better. Look, however you give this Christmas season, whatever you believe in this moment right now, give hope. Find hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you humbly for the gift that you have given us. We thank you even as the the verses we often hear at this season that unto us a child is born as it was to Zacharias, but, but unto us a son is given to bring us hope. Lord, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus Christ and pray that you would help us to know him better, to understand him better, and, and even, Lord, to believe in the moments that it seems hard to believe. We thank you for your patience with us, your kindness to us, and your tenderness to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, before you get up and leave, even before you gather your stuff, I just got to make sure that you know a few details about another big celebration that we're having because of Jesus that we like to call our Christmas Eve services. And so I want to give you these details. There will be eight identical services held on Christmas Eve. They're at 9, 10, 11, 12, and 1. Not 2. Then 3, 4, and 5. Now those are all on a Sunday, so there is no Saturday service this year. And then to, to help us make sure that we prepare for that, we are making that a ticketed event. And so the tickets are free. You can get them out in the atrium, but that's just to make sure that we actually have enough room in here for everybody. So you want to make sure that you pick those up. And I'd ask you, please, take what you need, and then if you find out you don't need some of them, bring them back, because then we're able to give them to other people to make sure that they can come into that service as well. Uh, if you have any questions about that, uh, they can help you at the table that is out in the atrium, and we'll enjoy Christmas Eve together as well. I also want to make sure that you know today is the deadline for the giving tree to bring those gifts back. But we got good news. If you forgot it today, the deadline has been extended to the 7th. But then we've got to have them back because then we take them to the family. So if you have your Giving Tree gift, don't wrap it. Just bring it here and we'll take it from there. Thank you very much and we will see you all next week.